Hello and ready to the Welcome for Polyamory podcast. This is season two, episode eight, coming out part two. My name is, as always, Laura Boyle, and today I'm back with part two with Daniel Greenwolf, Corwin, Seva, Jamie, and Brian to talk once again about coming out. Today we're going to be dealing more in detail with people's reactions, how to address them, and how to deal with sort of the ongoing parts of coming out. The little everyday comings out that happen when you're in long-term polyamorous relationships and you're sort of dealing with the rest of the world around you. See the show notes for everyone's various links pages and here and there's. Uh, and also, of course, for the links to the blog, Patreon, and Ko-Fi for me. Thanks very much. And of course, if you'll remember from last time, we'd addressed what coming out is and the fact that in general, people's reactions to your coming out, especially from your closer friends and family, are a result of their own baggage or damage and their own emotional sort of turmoil and reactions. That was where we left off. But does anybody have sort of specific tips that work for them conversationally or in sort of day-to-day life in either extracting yourself from a conversation where someone's having a negative reaction or in changing somebody's mind or turning a conversation where someone's having a negative reaction. I see Corwin's literally raising a hand and making like a giant (laughs) smiley face. So, so I come out to people about being poly, like it's a bodily function. I come out to like, normally when there's not a (laughs) pandemic, I come out to people like multiple times a day when I interact with new people it comes up naturally because it usually because I do have kids and because of their ages and origin story, it sort of leads to that. But even if it doesn't, uh, it's still something that I'm very open about. I'm, I'm I have the luxury of being open with uh, the people I work with, um, so that's not a concern. I'm open with my family, and strangers don't really scare me. I've gotten some negative reactions. Uh, But for the most part, I follow the philosophy of if there's going to be an uncomfortable situation and it's either me going, it's I'm going to be uncomfortable or the other person is going to be uncomfortable, all else being equal, I'd rather them be uncomfortable. So I present it as here's what I do and I'm happy with it. And if they're uncomfortable with it, it's on them to go over that hill of trying to explain why they are uncomfortable with it. Uh, when I told my boss, who is not exactly comfortable with it, uh, the way that I phrased it was, yeah, I want you to know that this is a thing I do. There's another person in my life that is important to me, and we're going to have kids, uh, and it's going to be a thing for me. Um, and that kind of shut down his ability to ask questions, because I did make it about sex. I didn't say, hey, by the way, I'm sleeping with a bunch of people. Uh, and I didn't make it about, like, I need your approval for this. I'm telling him what I'm doing and I'm telling him why I'm telling him. And so, you know, and he was like, well, that's an interesting choice. And I go, I think so. I think it's a it's choice that's not for everyone, but I find it interesting and I love exploring it. Uh, And so all else being equal, throw it on them and have them be uncomfortable. And that at best will get them to examine why they're uncomfortable. And at worst, they just will say nothing. And don't treat it like a dirty secret. If you act like you're ashamed, they expect that you have a reason to be ashamed. Like I, at this point in my life, I just talk about it and I don't care to hell with them. You know, like Mm. I, I'm, I'm not going to lose my job over that at this point, which I have lost jobs for being in a poly relationship in the past, because that's not, it's not a protected status. And so, you know, when some boss's wife got upset about the fact that I date outside of my marriage, I might steal her husband. It was just fired. That's it. Mm -hmm. But that was also what, like, you know, how many years I was might've even been before we were married. I don't remember. Um, Still not a protected status though. So. Yeah. But you know, if you don't have that luxury, some people do have to kind of keep it 
quiet, you know? Yeah. Um, there's there, a, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say that there's, there's a bit, I, I guess I would say of an advantage that having children from both your partners, you know, you, you can present your situation, you know, your relationship status as, you know, something that is a need to know for your, for your boss, because you may be called on for, you know, parental responsibility issues for one or the other of your partners or, or children, you know, for, for someone like me, you know, I don't really talk about relationships at work, you know, especially being in a position where, where I'm the male of the, you know, polyamorous cluster that we have, you know, when, when, when a man starts talking about, yeah, my wife and my girlfriend, you know, that, that tends to, to connotate, you know, uh, a visit to HR is in, in the, uh, the up and coming, <laughs> you know, cause there, there was a time when being that kind of a misogynist or, you know, somebody who was a guy's guy that just, you know, didn't, didn't respect women and just got it where he could was the acceptable and, you know, idealistic situation, but it's, it's not anymore. Hmm. And there's, there's now a lot of negative connotation with men being infidelitous and, you know, going around bragging about it. Right. And there's still a lot of cultural implication and connotation that's attached to, our expectations when we hear someone talking about their wife and their girlfriend that presumes that that's what's going on. Yeah. And and sometimes, you know, it's hard because there's, yeah, sometimes it's hard because there are things, you know, I'm having a conversation with a coworker and I'd really want to be like, Oh yeah. And my girlfriend, such a such, but you know, I, I don't know them. I, I only started this job like about a year ago. And like, I don't really socialize with any of them outside of work. And I don't know them well enough to really be able to gauge a response. You know, when, when they look at me and say, girlfriend, I thought you were married. You know, how, how they would respond to something like that. Would a change in language help if you were to be like, my yes. other Right. Using the word partner in place of all partners and creating a mega partner is super optimal for work environments that are like that. My ex-partner, who wasn't married to either of us when we lived in a V, uh, did that. And his work friends just assumed that he had a really eclectic girlfriend. Nice. Uh, because our kids were far enough apart in age that even though each of us was the parent of one of them, uh, they assumed that they had the same mom because a two-year age gap is enough that they could have had the same mom. And uh, my partner at all times just assumed that his partner had a really wide range of interests. (laughs) I, uh, I I think that the other thing that's really good, and again, this this comes from, uh, to note, I'm somebody who owns my own business, and I don't have to answer to a boss. I'm sure I've lost work because of my advocacy, uh, but I'll never know those people because they never call me in the first place, so I don't really care. Um, however, you advertise really loud. <laughs> exactly, and I'm very loud about it. And in fact, uh, you know, because I've had the pleasure slash displeasure of of being on the same uh, video uh, as Laura, where, you know, our, we were seen over 35 million times uh, and as perhaps the most vocal and the most noticeable on the video as being the ginger with the green face paint, who's also a magician. And man, this just gets weirder and weirder as we go along these eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got so many people reaching out to me and, and for every douche weasel that there was, I'd get somebody who reached out to me and said, thank you so much for being out about this. I live in a country where if I come out as gay, I'll be stoned to death. And just to know there's other people out there who exist, give me hope. And that's the reason why we decided to do that. And and then, um, but what I would say is for folks who are coming out on a much less grand scale (laughs) than that is 
um, the importance of controlling the message. And we learned this ourselves from the difference of the two videos, because we did a video with this with um, a media company and where they tried to make it salacious, but they realized we were just really boring and <laughs> not very good uh, as far as being sexy TV. Yeah, um, putting porn music over grandma's an, bedspread. An, an empty bed. Helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the other part of it is that then later on, we got asked to do a BuzzFeed Live where we got to do an hour long conversation where we controlled the message. And we answered the questions we wanted to answer. And you, I think that if you have the ability to, and it's not work-based, because work is a different thing. Work, until it's protected, you have to, you play whatever game you're comfortable with until, you know, that's, you've got to do what you got to do to make the money, you know, uh, and I'm, I wish I could say, nobody can just say, I, I don't need this job. I'll just leave. I'm like, no, I, that's very, that's a very privileged viewpoint. So you do what you have to do. However, if you're in a situation with somebody who holds no power over you and you're having a conversation with them about polyamory, my, my suggestion is control the message and also act, as you mentioned about not being shamed about it, go one step further, act like it's the most normal thing in the world. Because when I tell people, my husband and my wife, and they go, your husband and your wife? Like, yeah, I, my husband and wife, I'm polyamorous, we all live together. I move on from there. It's almost as if they don't have time to ask really dumb questions. And the further I get along in my conversation, the less likely they're like, oh wait, am I, am I the one who's out of touch? Because I don't know what's going on. Like <laughs> I get, am I, am I the idiot here? And they are forced to deal with that for themselves, but you don't have to deal with it. You're not dealing with it in that conversation. And then later on, when they come back to it, you get to be the authority to them. They're no longer grilling you. They're like, you you said earlier that, that you're polyamorous. You're, yes, yes, I am. And then you can start talking about it if that's what you feel comfortable with. But I think the overall idea is to control the message as well as you can. And it's not always easy. And it does take some finessing to get that down but it is a good general skill to have and i think that it's something that anybody can have if that's if that's what they're looking to do my favorite question ever was not a negative response but it was just a like out of left field response they asked if i meant polydactyl which <laughs> cats have an extra toe <laughs> To be and fair, I, I do I, love polydactyl cats. Right. They're adorable. I was like, that's great, but no, that's no. definitely not what I mean. I have not written 100K words this year on polydactyl cats. <laughs> Are you admitting a failure right now? It's okay. You're in a safe space. Because if you had written 100,000 words. If anybody could do that, it would be Laura. That's right. <laughs> it's I mean, true. I could probably do enough research, but not. I got, I got this. I can help Maybe you out. That's my 2021 project. We'll be uh, looking for the sequel. It'll ready? Be fun. <laughs> yeah, 2020 polyamory. 2021 polydactyl. Um, She'll label it the cat's thumbs up. Yeah. Maybe that's the tagline for this episode. <laughs> uh, so. Muffin be the uh, the spokes cat. Is <laughs> Muffin polydactyl? Yes, he is. Amazing. Then yes. But so. he's only got two thumbnails as opposed to an entire full digit. But he's got so, two thumbnails on each four paw. So amazing. he's polydactyly curious. Yes. That <laughs> That's the name of the episode right there. Polydactyly curious. <laughs> amazing. So... <laughs> the next prompt that I had prepared was, what do you do about letting less, like more distant relatives and less frequently seen friends know what's going on with you? Uh, if this is a like long-term relationship change and if you have ever used the internet to make any kind of announcement about your relationship change like this? Is that something that you think worked or something that you regret doing? And if so, why? I can definitely talk to the first. I've never done the online thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't, can't do that one. 
Yep. Um, so my kind of extended family, they figured out that something was amiss with my personal life when I got kicked out of my parents' house. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they kind of got the full clue until I started dating Gorwin and it became apparent. They were like, oh, he has kids. How old are they? Hmm. My kids are three months apart. So that kind of, for, for not everybody can do that math as it turns out, but most people can. <laughs> I've met the people that can't. It's funny. So my my family members were, were all, so he has two kids with two women. Do you, do you all? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, who's, who's the parent? Everybody, like the three of them, they're all parents. But what about the biological? And I'm like, don't worry about that. And so that kind of became the, the gateway into just being like, listen, y'all can worry about yourselves. Um, and some of my family still, you know, we've been together for four and a half years and some of them are still like, well, you know, do the kids just, you know, this child's mom? And I'm like, they're both, they're both their moms. Well, I, you know what I mean? No, I don't tell me. Oh yes. Make them uncomfortable with their own prejudice. That's the best yes. thing ever. No, I don't it, know what it works. The, the moral of the story is if you want to come out to people, get yourself some kids. Yeah. Pretty much. That no. makes it so much easier because I don't have to worry. Oh. You can borrow mine. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I borrow his. <laughs> well, and it's so not fair because like I've got a friend on the fire department. He's got a kid from his first marriage. She's got a kid from her first marriage. And they both call each other mom and dad. Why the freak does it matter? And that's the example I bring up to people uh, when, when they say like when I was in that triad, I was like, OK, so you're telling me that like if I had a kid with one woman and the other. And I wasn't having sex with them at the same time. That would be okay. It's the sex that makes you uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of people, once the word sex enters the conversation, they get real uncomfortable. I'll tell you what, though. Polyamory is the way of the future for financial stability, man. You know, yeah. you've got two, two household incomes and someone to take care of the house. For God's sake, Dilbert, the creator of Dilbert, the comic had an article about how polyamory makes engineering sense that you don't want to have a single point of failure of just having one partner. Wait, are you serious? I am serious. Okay, Which my is... dad, I, we used to buy him Dilbert calendars. <laughs> Which is shocking because unfortunately Scott Adams and every other level is a trash human, but he, got, but he got one thing right. Shit. Yeah, right? Go figure. You can send um, him this article. Yeah, are the three adults in a household in this economy? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we still live with one of the parents, like right, one of the I other know. mothers. Yeah. And who, my, who I'm no longer in a relationship with. So, right. like, we're, we've transitioned from friends to roommates to lovers to co parents to roommates and co parents, but no longer lovers. But my dad is still. <laughs> On, on some level, he has remained convinced that her and I are having this torrid love affair. And oh, honestly, it would be more exciting if we were. <laughs> but, oh, man. Yeah. This so, is, but but no, for, for my extended family, I kind of just like, I didn't make a big deal about it. Yeah. And like, some of them I have, I have some family members who, who we both love and they're just like, oh, cool. You have two kids from two different women. Great. Like if you ever want to bring them over for holidays, go for it. Like they're yeah. like, it's your family. Don't worry. Yeah. We got I, this. Oh yeah. I, I would throw in, uh, as the, the, the theatrical background kid, uh, I would say for the folks who may never have tried this before, if you find that you're going to be going to an extended family uh, event, or or maybe you're seeing people you haven't seen in a while, and you've got to, you know, you have to, to kind of, you want to tell them. That's the other thing too. If you're somebody who, like myself, who who wants to tell people, 
about this and doesn't mind. I don't want them to necessarily be uncomfortable, but I don't care as much kind of to that point. Right. For me, uh, the theatrical kid in me says rehearse. It's okay. We do this all the time naturally, but it has nothing to do with being on stage. We will go over conversations in our own head and how we think it might go. But to actually, here's the line that I'm going to say when someone asks me about this. Here's what I want to say. This anxiety. In front of the mirror. But it's not, but it's not, it's not actually about anxiety. People, even if it's not anxious, we, it's funny. It's that, you know, being in a, being in a theater standpoint, having a theatrical background, you learn about where the psychology and where theater kind of coincide. And everybody, to some extent, monologues to themselves. Mm-hmm. Everybody, to some extent, will go over things they want to say. Sometimes, and what's more often the case, is they'll go over things they wish they said after the fact. That would have been good if I said that one. Yeah, that would have been great. But if you can do that beforehand, and then here's where it comes into more theater, you refine it. The last version of a script is never the last version of a script. You're always making edits. And so if you find a line and you're like, man, I wish I said that. Well, the next time you will. And then at a certain point, it becomes uh, something that you can just rattle off. And again, it comes back to controlling the message. When you can say it so matter-of-factly that they're like, why don't you get that? I'm, you don't know this? That's okay. And you don't want to be condescending, but you want to be like, no, this is the way it is for me in my life. And it's the way it's been for a long time, you know? So that, that helps is honestly thinking about rehearsing and you can do that and you can do it comfortably and calmly and you can do it for friends who you trust people you care about, uh, or just for yourself in a mirror. That's right. Best place to do it. That or the shower. Yeah. Yes. It's harder if you're on a subway in New York. That's uh, that's always tougher. <laughs> Listen, not I've seen true. harder things. Not true. true. Always somebody in the car to support you. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> The number of you go girls you will get just saying something to nobody will be amazing. Um, I had a number, like I said, I came out to three very different families at once. And even though it was forced, like, I think the process would have been more gradual, but we would have explored similar ideas because it worked for these families. So my family, i basically said, I have my immediate family and the rest of my family is scattered throughout the globe. Um, And I said, look, I am going to let you guys figure out how to, what you want to tell the rest of the people and how you want to tell them. I can help you if you want to talk about it, but you're my parents. I'm telling you, that's it. Um, My ex-wife, her family was very dear to me and uh, and they're, they were they're mo- really dear to me. They're, they're <laughs> wonderful people. Uh, yeah. Like, and we were really cared about their opinion. Uh, so with them, we said, look, we're going to sit down all three of us together. We're going to, you know, do the typical sort of coming out experience, but her extended family is all local and large. And in order to prevent that sort of, uh, rumor mill, we actually, uh, my ex-wife wrote, uh, hand wrote letters to all of them. Uh, and then included links to articles. Uh, and I think a printed out article about what polyamory is about. And we sent them so they would arrive roughly at the same time, a couple of days after we talked to her immediate family. And one of the things I realized from this process is uh, you have to look for allies in your family. So if your parents, let's say, are not supportive, find the grandma, the uncle, the, the aunt, the niece who will be on your side will sort of say who, who your parents let's say will go to and say you know hey i can't believe corwin is doing this crazy fucking thing and that you know uncle might go it's fine like yeah he talked to me about it and you know what i don't think that it's a big deal uh and we got re- very positive responses from that for the most part there was one that was like i was the only one raised catholic and i'm praying for you um but then there was the one that was like I'm so proud of you for living your life so bravely. And I wish I had that courage. And this was coming from an uncle that was like twice the age, um, who I don't think is still out about whatever it is that he's not out about. Um, and then the third family was basically like, uh, talk to the mom and the aunts and all of them had very different reactions from ranging from like, I'll sick the courts on you for, like raising children in a polyamorous situation to like stay away from my daughter to like, cool, nicely done. 
and uh, and there we just were like it was small a small enough group of people that we basically just talked to them directly uh, so uh, I really like the letters thing, though. I think that that one worked really well because you don't get to see their reaction. It gives them time to figure it out, how they feel about it. And it gives you the distance of not having to immediately confront them about their bad reaction. This whole conversation reminds me, there's a, a person I work with and her son is trans. Now, she's one of the most amazing people I know. She was brought up in a very religious family and has become has has learned to be very accepting and very liberal socially over the years and her her youngest now who is one of her adopted children is transsexual and so she has very you know she has very accepting views and she works really hard even though she's not necessarily good at it to be accepting of all different things including my lifestyle her transsexual child all of the things that she's got going on and at one point one of her um extended family members went to florida and came back a different sex and she was just you know it was an entire couple like two hours conversation at work one day about about wasn't it terrible for this person who started out john and came back joan to to do that and then just expect their family to accept them and i was like it's not about their family that's what you're not getting she's well, I just think they would have been more accepting if if they had talked to to the family about it first. I'm like, no, they wouldn't have been. And probably the only way that this woman could go and really get her shit together was to do it on her own and then come back being true to herself. And that's the 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 place that I was trying to get this person, this friend of mine to understand is is finding that place of being completely honest with yourself. And then being willing to share that with the people that matter to you, it puts you in a place of incredible vulnerability and holding on to that being true to yourself and recognizing that you may, in fact, lose some people you really care about. And they may later come back when they realize that they care about you enough to get over it. But in the long run, the most important thing that you can do is live your truth. I mean, that's really what ethical non-monogamy is about in the first place is, is just to be, be who you are and be true to what you need. Yeah. And, and in that, in that example, which is a great, you know, a example of what somebody's thinking, you know, they're thinking, well, they need to ask for permission. And people right. may think of it as after you, oh, they have to ask for permission or later on you're asking for forgiveness. When the case is we're not asking for either. Right. It's not about yeah. their comfort. It's we're about ours. We're telling. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that people need. I think that if you're coming out as polyamorous, remember, you're never you're never asking somebody if it's okay. And you have to accept that with yourself and say, no, this is not me asking, is this okay? Or saying, I, I hope it's okay. It's saying, this is what it is. And you need to be okay with it because this is who I am. And that should be true across the board. I know that's so hard. It's so, it's so sim it makes it so simplistic of what is a very hard and complicated and difficult concept. But that's the big thing I think people really need to remember is that you're never asking forgiveness or permission. You're telling them what it is. Right. And I guess, so I didn't make my own like internet grand announcement kind of thing. I included that because I was featured in one uh, when my son was born my ex made like a picture of our family with our newborn son that included my ex meta and like made a grand statement in favor of polyamory and introducing our family uh, sort of as a big statement to all of his friends about what he was doing and put it up on the internet with like about 45 seconds of warning to us. And while I didn't really mind at the time, because like there's nothing wrong with expressing love and how cute newborn baby, I looked really good for not having slept in three days. Um, and the photo being taken in the hospital after a cesarean, you know, uh, it was one of those things that like, in hindsight, I'm a little bit like, you know, 
is that really the image that like having been tagged in it I really wanted for the way that some of my contacts from like high school and the early part of my life to get that information about me. Well, not to mention three days in you're fucking dealing with having just had a baby. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to anybody for like 10 days after I had a baby. Yeah. Well, it's right. the best time to make big decisions. Right. Like is the timing ideal is all of that. Yeah. Right? And, and also it also, I think the problem is that it's, Oh, yeah, I was, oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say also the thing is that, that that's passive. At that point, you're you're it's going out there as uh, as a passive. Somebody else tagged you in a post, and I think that if you're going to come out about something that's very big, you want to make that statement yourself. It comes back to controlling the message of your own message. And I was already out to my family and to my current friends, so like it wasn't world shattering here, but. It was, and mostly people were like, oh, congratulations on this baby. So it didn't really matter. Yeah, Babies trump a lot of things. God, I can't wait till that word isn't bad anymore. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest, Daniel, I don't think that's going to be for a very long time unless he actually get his ass locked away. Touche. Babies top. McDonald's or Karen's. That's right. Yeah, maybe we're going to have to. Died. Should we change the accent of how we pronounce the word for when Shrub. it's not his name? Yeah. Like, is better. Should we yeah. <laughs> it? You're just like add an umlaut somewhere. Trubanald? Should we <laughs> it? Uh, I, uh. I will say there's one thing that is really useful on the web, and that's not porn. Uh, it's the coming out day. It is porn. Uh, Internet yeah. is more porn. The yeah. second but- thing that is useful. <laughs> But but the other thing, the the sort of zero point one percent of what's left, there is the coming out day, and I I wish I had known uh, ahead of time that I was going to bring this up, so I would have told you the date of the when it's happening. But I do find that useful. Uh, I, I, if you could look this up while I talk, uh, I do find this useful in the sense that once you've told your immediate family, once you've told the people that are going to like call you and yell at you or call you and fire you or whatever, <laughs> like if you're just trying to catch those people that like you've kind of lost contact with, but you you don't want to have those conversations when you reconnect with them over and over and over. Uh, or if you want to control the message and you want to come out that way, uh, it's as good a, an opportunity as any. Uh, I did that a year after uh, I came out to my family and friends. Um, and like, this is the only thing I came out about because yes, I'm straight. Um, oh my God, you're straight. Uh, it's, it's complicated. It's, a, <laughs> it's okay. Some of my best friends are straight. It's cool. Yeah. My, my, my One, business. By the way, Monday, October 11th, apparently for 2021. There you go. So October 11th, you have time to prepare if you're coming out in 2021 you don't have to wait but if you're waiting that might as well wait for that day mm-hmm. but yeah so it's one of those things where like i feel like if you're going to do like a grand gesture announcement for the purposes of catching all of your random acquaintances uh the internet is as good a way as any and you can control your typos and whatnot you can't really hire a newspaper ad anymore because no one gets those delivered except my sister so my house is covered in newspaper at this moment and forever but you know i imagine no one else's house is on this chat but by the way is anyone else can uh, anyone else at all surprised the first thing that laura met about coming out in a grandiose way is the concern about typos. No, Am I, no, I didn't. None of us. They're like, you're doing what? <laughs> you're not using Knox for comma anymore? That's it. You're out of the family. <laughs> no, no, no. Supreme Court ruled Oxford comma. <laughs> it's still not natural. <laughs> sentence with a proposition for. Preposition. Ah. <laughs> No, no, I take it back. I only want to use prop. I only want to use propositional phrases whenever mm-hmm. I speak to somebody. 
we can end sentences with propositions, yeah, just not prepositions. Propositions is probably uh, one of your main talents. <laughs> I mean, how you doing? I mean, like, it's a very, it's a catch-all, it's there. Uh, so the only <laughs> other question leading topic I had was do we still I find ourselves? I think I missed something or yeah. I wanted to ask something. Go for yeah. it. I had um, Daniel, you had the two... Um, interwebs uh uh like video interviews didn't you guys also wind up on like the local radio like opie and anthony uh How i was on uh so chaz i was yep yeah, i was on chaz and aj uh and i was so what happened was is i was on there before as a magician who also ran a renaissance fair and i've been on their show a couple of times over the years and they saw one of their interns saw my video and they said, hey, listen, we'd love to have you on to talk about this. And especially at the time, I believe the Renaissance Fair is going to be going on. And I'm like, I'm going to take any chance I can. I'm, I'm going to promote. That's what I do. And so I went on. And I don't recommend, unless you are somebody who has dealt with a life of hecklers, um, to go on a morning zoo show. I have been going on morning zoo shows for well over a decade so i don't recommend other people do it ever uh just because they are a morning zoo they are there for shock they are there for entertainment you can occasionally get a good conversation but you have to again comes back to controlling the message right so mm -hmm. what i did was um i controlled the hell out of that message when i was on there and it's because i'm somebody who's snarky it's i'm somebody who can deal with hecklers i'm somebody who can who can roll with the punches so if they say something i've got three lines ready for them to come back at them because that's been my career you know i've dealt with drunks at a bar and i've dealt with children i can deal with a radio show host so which are basically the same thing as the like one of each one on exactly. each yeah. always so you have to so you have to control the message in fact i remember um in fact, when I had that conversation, they were very respectful because I had already gained some clout with them as this guy who they knew could have fun on their show because I had done other stuff already. They already knew that I was already a guy who wears a kilt and I run a Ren fair, So they knew they could have some fun with me, but they also knew that I wasn't going to take any of their crap. Um, and I believe, uh, you know, this was like with one of their other their other hosts, and I don't know if it was this interview or another interview, but someone had made a, a statement that I thought was particularly dumb. And about 45 seconds into the interview, I go, do, do you ever think your parents regret being pro-life? And like, that was where I started that interview. And I went from there. And but, but, but what it set up for me was that, oh, this is a guy who's going to be able to punch back. And but I didn't even do it in that interview. By the time that interview had come around, they had already known who I was. They were already gun shy about me. And they were like, okay, he's going to talk with authority and he's going to talk. And also all three of us were there um, doing the interview. So there was just as many of us as there were of them at the time. <laughs> that also helps. I wish mm -hmm. I could. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. bring, children, bring children. That That's the keys. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I don't. Uh, I would never. The only thing is for me is that I would never bother with having my kids there, aside from the fact that they would just draw, distract me. And uh, I always think of it as kind of a it's a sparring match. You know, I'm a third degree black belt in Tang Soo I instruct this stuff. I I have to be focused on the sparring as opposed to worrying about are my kids getting into the expensive equipment over to my left. <laughs> my, my kids come out about me being poly. Uh, my, they're seven. Yeah. Uh, and they in particular, like, they get real annoyed when their teachers don't know the distinction between mama and mommy. Mm -hmm. My and, kids too. Um, yeah, mine too, yeah. And, and, and yeah. when they call me mom, they're like, that is, well, I, I'll, I'll go with just my, my regular name. The, the, cool. They're like, that's, this is my Seva, quote unquote. Quote unquote, not using real name here. Um, <laughs> but like, no, that is dada's girlfriend. But like them using my name isn't like a bad thing. It's just like I am theirs, and they're like everybody has their own place. Yeah. And I also pity anybody who would try and interview his eldest. <laughs> it's really funny because my kids get into arguments. Well, pre-COVID, got into arguments with other kids 
at the school bus stop over the fact that they had two moms. Like the other kids would be like, what do you mean you have two moms? You can't have two moms. Like one of them's got to be your stepmom. No, I have two moms. (laughs) This is my mommy. My mama is at work. That's how it works. I have two moms. One of Monica's best friends has uh, lesbian mothers. And one of them is mom or mommy. And one of them is mama. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a common thing. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I, we probably will at some point, but we haven't yet. Um, and that's uh, my, my kid. My, she, I remember she was like four years old and she was like, is uncle Greg your boyfriend? And I was like, yes yes he is and she felt like she had figured something out but like we never hid it from her like we never we just don't you know like jack she she calls jack's our friend like she doesn't you know have i don't know we're not hiding anything but we're not you know she doesn't need to know what goes on when she's not around my and my my kids you know uh, there's a story that we tell you know it's it's almost uh, it's almost become like the regular the frank sinatra story that he always you know told around the, the table but uh for us it was uh my daughter, my youngest daughter, uh, was having a play date, and the the little girl said, uh, "You have two dads," and my my youngest daughter says, "Yeah, some people have two dads," and she, the little girl says, "Well, I have one dad." She goes, "Yeah, some people have one dad." She goes, "Some people have no dads." She goes, "Yeah," and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. Then they went back to playing and shit because. For them, I've been in their lives since they were three and four and now going on seven years now of me being uh, the horrible asshole parent. I am because I'm the I'm the mean one. I get it. I understand my parent. My dad was a Marine in Vietnam. I I'm they don't call me, sir. And it only bothers me slightly because I try to remember I'm not military, but um, But all joking aside, it's like that that's what they know. And they've come up with some more, you know, they're now getting into, you know, they're going into, you know, fifth grade and, and soon middle school. And it's always been there for them. And it's always part of their lives. So even though, yes, they do understand it is unorthodox. I believe they are well aware that this is different. Um, there are so many different configurations of families out there that to say that ours is more different than somebody who lives with one parent for three days and one parent for four days or or someone who has you know two moms or someone who has two dads or something or any of these or someone who lives with their grandparents uh all of these are different we just happen to be one of the ones they may not have heard of before until that moment mm-hmm. kids kids that are exposed to things that are non-standard tend to just be able to to go with it. Mm-hmm. We we tell our daughter all the time, always be weird. Mm-hmm. Because when you're weird, that just means that you're being true to yourself. You know, and and you're not sitting there, you know, feeling like you're being beaten up because you don't conform to what everyone else is. Take pride in your weirdness. You know, that's something that we try to always instill in in our daughter mm-hmm. but you're right you know they're the 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 conversations the kids have about it are are just like you say you know this is how it is you know in my house and this is how it is in your house and okay you want to play legos right? <laughs> yeah they're very matter of fact yeah and it's I, a, i'll just share this real quick mm-hmm. they fucking love it because they get to troll people since they're age five they come up to most new partners that are in the sort of in the family somewhere and go, mommy, daddy. And watch them get I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> I wonder when that's going to happen. <laughs> they, they, they did that to Seva. Um, yeah. As soon as they realized that they could, she was the first victim. I was the first. Yeah. And then they've done it to several people since then. Yeah. Uh, and and they know what they're doing. Like this is not a there. There's no confusion there. They just straight there, up. There were moments of confusion. There were moments of on. like early on, they would legitimately slip up, and then they'd be like, "Why aren't you my mom?" 
And like we explained, like, well, you have two and that's really important to them. And so that's a conversation we can have later on when you're older. And they kind of were like, yeah, okay. And then they realized they could, you know, fuck with us. And then they're like, mommy, mommy. And I'm like, you know, I just kind of flipped it on them. And I'm like, am I? I thought I was your grandpa. Like, (laughs) they're like, oh my gosh. So kind of unrelated to that but related to something that Corwin said earlier uh the last sort of formal topic that I wanted to make sure we cover was whether we still find ourselves having to have conversations that sort of are coming out or resemble coming out in phases with people and Uh, I was reminded of it by all of us telling these little stories about our kids because that's the area that triggers my having to have these little mini coming outs the most often. Every year when my kids switch grades, I have to have the conversation with their teachers about the fact that they have three parents. And every year or every time there, it feels like it's every year every time their pediatrician hires a new receptionist or a new nurse or whatever, I have to have conversations with those staff at that office about why there are three people listed on the kids' files. So, you know, I'm always doing these little mini coming outs with like people in relation to care items. Uh, and it's fairly straightforward at this point. I have a rehearsed statement that works really well that people don't question that they just make a note and move forward. Mm-hmm. Can and you so give that far, to- huh? Can you give that to us? Yeah, sure. I mean, it basically just goes, hi, I'm Laura Boyle, the parent of child's name. I'm calling to make sure that you've got noted properly that our three names are the parent of child's name and that you're going to be in contact with all of us this year about any issues that arise with child. These are our emails. These are our phone numbers. Mine should be listed as first priority. It there, this, and this respectively. Thank you. Hang up phone. Yeah. And like, but- that's the call for my son. Yeah. For- and- either the school or his pediatrician and then my daughter is similar but it lists my ex meta as top priority and that's and i think that's what it comes down to for us uh we had an interesting uh experience just recently where uh uh, our our wife uh, actually got uh into a car accident i i spoke about this in my tiktok live today so i I feel like i can comfortably talk about this in a podcast but uh she got t-boned by somebody she's fine uh, the, but this kid was scared out of his mind, of course, uh, but she got taken to the hospital and um, uh, Ken had written on the contact sheet because what happens is, you know, you go to the ER, they don't let you in, you get in, you write down your names, you wait in a parking lot so until you can do whatever. And they just want to check her out to make sure things are okay. He had written down for both of our names, both our phone numbers and spouse as the relationship to the patient for both of us, spouse. Um, the, apparently, uh, as it was told, the, the guard came in to the nurse and gave the nurse the information and the nurse was very confused because she had seen Ken, Ken, who is older than I am by, by, uh, five years, uh, five or six years, something like that. Um, maybe more, who knows anymore? Anyways, uh, but he, uh, he, they came out and apparently they looked to, to my wife and they said, um, you're, you're your children are waiting for you out in the parking lot. (laughs) And she's like, I don't think so. Who is it? Like, um, I don't, do you have, and they were just, they are so confused. And I guess they had misread spouse's sons or something. I don't know what they thought. Uh, I thought it was written. They thought her kids were messing with her. Yeah, apparently. And older than her, uh, apparently, by at least one in one estimation. So it was very weird. So that was just recently. So she had to kind of do a little explanation. No, they're both my my spouse. They're both my, my husbands. And they're like, oh, OK. You know, but it was just such a random like that just happened a couple of days ago. It was just so random. Like who misreads spouse's sons like that's how. But that's also how ingrained some people are. They short circuit. They can't look at that if they've never come across it before. They might look at it and go like, oh, 
okay, uh, maybe they misspoke. Like they will justify in their heads. The cultural anything. programming is strong yep. with this one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that poor guard. <laughs> I've actually had to do like this year. I had to do a mini coming out to my boss because of COVID. Last year. Oh yeah, last year. Sorry, we're in a new year. Feels like <laughs> new year starts on Wednesday. It's okay. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, National New Year. <laughs> <laughs> but we had uh, so the other households. There are two households, and the other one had. Uh, well, there was a COVID. So yeah. The, the, the setup is my ex-wife lives on her own and the kids go back and forth between our house where I live and the kids are one third of the time. My ex, who is uh, our roommate and their other parent lives and so they're here for the other third of the time. And the third third of the time, they're at a different house entirely. And because of that and COVID, there's obviously concerns for like, what did that crossover potentially expose people to? Which led up to the which situation. led up to uh, me having to explain to my boss, "Hey, um, so I don't think I've ever mentioned, but the girls have two moms and Cor, um, and they somebody might have had COVID, and she's like, okay, so what's your exposure level?" And she basically was just like didn't seem to care at all about anything that I explained. And since then has even been like, oh, how are, you know, other parent and partner feeling? Like, how are they? And like, just totally rolled off of her. And granted, I have a fantastic boss, but like, I didn't anticipate having to come out because of COVID. Yeah. Uh I think for me, it's uh, it's happened a number of times, usually having to do with kids. But since we've talked about that, like for me, the other place where I keep coming out is places like Tinder or OkCupid. Uh, again, like 2020 has not been a good year for that. <laughs> for some reason, I don't understand why nobody, you know. Uh, but yeah, anyways, the, the, everyone's really gotten into mask fetishes. <laughs> yeah, like this mask <laughs> fetish thing is just widespread at this point. Yeah, these but, gas mask obsessions. Yeah, like, and when I show up with a gas mask, they think I'm the weird one. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this was uh, something that, that just keeps coming up because I put it in my profile. I tried not putting it in my profile and bringing it up as one of the first things. I tried putting it in my profile as the very first thing, I'm like, big capital letter, spoiler warning, I am non-monogamous. Um, and people still don't read it and we still have to have those conversations. And I just make a point of working into my conversation there, like, oh, you know, what'd you do today? Well, my partner and I did X, Y, Z. And then I am, you know, and then I had dinner and now I'm talking to you. Um, like, that's the kind of thing that I do keep running into. And again, like Daniel said, uh, there is a sort of script that you develop for how to like explain that, uh, that you get better at. And again, texting is easier than, you know, seeing their reaction and trying to, you know, correct the situation to make them less uncomfortable because that's our instinct. Um, like, yeah, there I just say like, yes, the, the, my partner. Oh, you, you have a partner? Yeah, like, you know, before that, before my kids left. Oh, you have kids? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. The kids tend to be a bigger deal breaker than the partner. Uh, I, I've, I've honestly had more pushback on, on being poly uh, than anything else. But That's the people because that, you're like, a man. Yep. <laughs> Was you Thank you, Laura. That's, yeah, um, probably. Uh, I, I have... I, I have not been anybody else, so I cannot speak to any other experience. Um, but in my experience, yeah, like that's been the pushback. It's been, so you're collecting STDs, right? I'm like, that's not what this is about. It's, you know. And, also, and it's not what happens. Yeah. But unless yeah. you're really unwise, like. Right, and, and, and like, and I've had a couple of, conversations that turned really interesting from that point that were like 
wait, so how do you avoid STDs in a situation where you're sleeping with lots of people at once? Uh, and, you know, and some people exactly. have that conversation with, oh, yeah, I should, I, I guess I should get tested. I haven't gotten tested in this decade. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. Again, it says more about them than it exactly. ever does about you. Exactly. And, uh, and so I think, you know, those I are the situations where. Throat swabs. Like, anyway. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> On that note, um, maybe more positive, maybe the more positive thing is that we're going to, no matter what happens, you have to explain yourself to somebody at some point, yes. no matter what it is. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're polyamorous or if you're pansexual or if you're a magician or you run a renaissance fair or whatever it is you do. Um, at this some has point, been Daniel Greenwolf hosting my podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but that's the thing, right? Like you have to explain yourself. You host a podcast. You have to tell people I host a podcast. At some point, we have to tell people about what we do because some point is going to come up. That's how I got the comment about the polydactyl toes. I was asked what I do for a living. And I said, <laughs> well, right now I'm on disability because I'm getting all these brain surgeries. I was in the hospital getting the brain surgeries at the time. I was in the ICU. And they said, oh, you write a blog and you host a podcast? What are those about? And I said, polyamory and they said you mean polydactyl don't you <laughs> and i said no that's cat toes <laughs> wait which one of us had brain surgeries because it seems like i'm the one who has all of my my thoughts about me you're a nut yeah i but then, again you just pointed out there you said I've had several brain surgeries. That is, you can explain that to people a little bit. So we're always doing that, you know? It's just about how comfortable are you explaining these things to people? Hopefully the answer is yes, you are. How comfortable you feel about it yourself. Because yeah, again, like when I was coming out to people about like, hey, I just started dating somebody and I'm still married and we're both dating her. It's a salacious like thing of like, hey, we've been doing this for a few weeks and it's really fun uh, versus like, a little bit further down the road of like, yeah, I date multiple people. That's what is a part of my life. And that's where I'm happy. Um, the reactions were very different. And honestly, it is still like, I feel like it is important to mention that it's okay to be totally freaked out by it. Sure. By having to come out like. It's terrifying. It's absolutely mind numbingly terrifying. And like, I did it once and I have to do it again. And I really don't want to, but I really want to. And like, I've been putting it off for the past like year. And like, it's just, it's very hard to do because you have to accept that. That Corwin can't be your beard forever. Look at the beard Look though. At the beard though. <laughs> I've gone for a while. It's a nice beard. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's still really hard. You know, you can still feel confident in your decision. You can still feel like, you know, you can only control your reaction, not anybody else's and still be afraid to do it. And that's where like having multiple partners is honestly really comforting because you have all of those people to fall back on when you're like freaking out and devastated if it goes wrong or to celebrate with if it goes really well. I'm pretty sure if you're coming out to your parents goes poorly, my ex's parents will adopt you. That's true. <laughs> They're that good of people. They already love me. His, his ex-wife's parents love me. <laughs> There's always a plate of cheese waiting at my house. You're the best. <laughs> if you ever need somewhere to go for Christmas. Oh. <laughs> I, heard, I heard there would be cheese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, if there's cheese, we're going to Laura's. Okay. Yeah, say, Laura's got the cheese. All right. Cheese beats cheeses. <laughs> so, everybody, thank you. And for... when COVID's over, you're all invited to our big, beautiful new house. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yay. Everybody who listens to this podcast, just just everybody, we'll get we'll we'll get the address later. <laughs> you and your thirty closest friends. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll be at least that many people. My goodness. I miss people. Oh, humans, man. Ooh. So 
thank you all for coming out to talk to me about coming out. So once again, that's Jamie Brian Seva Corwin, who you can find at uplinestudio.com, and Daniel Greenwolf, who you can find at danielgreenwolf.com, chatting with me about coming out. And I hope everyone has enjoyed the last two weeks of discussion about this. You can find my blog at www.readyforpolyamory.com, the Patreon at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory, and our Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory if you want to drop, drop a little tip in my hat. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope that you got something out of these last couple of weeks of discussion on coming out and how to deal with people's reactions, both good and bad, to this experience. <laughs>